This is episode 369 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are The Best Techniques Guaranteed to Turn Your Home into a Fortress and Bob, Bug Out Bags of Fresh Luck. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by my new ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. Hey, when you purchase the ebook, you also get access to the Prepper Website forums, complete with forums on micro businesses and to help you out there and also uh, forums on everything preparedness related. Hey, if you'd like some more information, click on the link in the show notes or come on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. Our first article comes to us from survivalpedia.com and the article is entitled The Best Techniques Guaranteed to Turn Your Home into a Fortress. It's a really good article, a lot of great information, things to think about especially in the day and age that we live in right now, where crime is up almost everywhere. I think you really want to put a little bit of effort into protecting your home. And there are some things that you can do to make your home just a little bit more, um, I guess, a burglar uh, unfriendly, I guess is the words I'm trying to, to find. At least you want them to look a little bit hardened, a little bit more hardened. You want them to look a little bit more secure than the homes, the other homes around you, so that uh, the thieves, the robbers, the people that want to break in, they want to, you know, they want to live the easy life. They want to break in and, and get out and pawn uh, your, the goods that you worked really hard for. Um, you know, you want to make it to where they look to another target and they don't look to yours. And there's uh, some things that you can do, um, very easy things that you can do. Some that cost a little bit of money. But we're going to explore those here in this article. So let's go ahead and jump right in. The best techniques guaranteed to turn your home into a fortress. All right, starting out, there's just a couple of bullet points here um, to get us started and get us focused. Uh, First one, if you are happy with your physical security, so is your enemy, red team your home. Don't waste your money and electricity on dust to dawn security lighting. Use motion detector lighting instead. And the only way to stop bad guys with guns is good guys with guns. Your alarm should notify you and others nearby, not some call center in India. And windows and glass doors are ridiculously easy points of entry unless hardened with roll-down security shutters, plexiglass, or bars. So here's a scenario set by the editor. Just hacks and tips to fortify your home. It could even be as simple as sticking biohazard stickers in your window or blocking off roads. Desperation caused by competition for resources can turn normally law-abiding people into burglars and can turn burglars into violent home invaders. At the end of the day, the only surefire way to stop bad guys with guns is good guys with guns. Anything else is wishful thinking. While the initial aim of security precautions is deterrence, should deterrence fail, security measures serve to slow criminals and detect them giving homeowners time and information they need to respond effectively to the threat at hand. So invest in deterrence. The primary objective of of deterrence is to convince potential perpetrators 
that an attack or robbery would not be worth the effort. When a crook looks at your home and does a risk or reward analysis, you want him to decide your home is not worth it. He should look at your home and determine there's not enough worth stealing. There's too little reward. Stealing would take too long and make too much noise. It's too risky. And getting caught could be fatal. High exposure to risk. So make your home look occupied. A survey of 300 experienced burglars by the Home Office Crime Prevention Unit in London concluded that the most powerful deterrent was signs of occupancy, followed by dogs and alarms. In my opinion, the data was misinterpreted by the analysis. Signs of occupancy, dogs, and alarms all lead up to the same endgame, which is the only thing that criminals fear, confrontation by an angry and potentially armed occupant or law enforcement. So create physical barriers. Any barrier can be overcome. The aim of physical barriers is not to be impenetrable, but to cost the criminal time and make noise, alerting you to intrusion and giving you time to respond. So hardened windows and skylights, plexiglass, window security films, bars, and roll-down shutters are effective deterrents for windows. Security bars and screens should be able to be released from the inside in an emergency. Hardened doors, upgrade doors, frames, strike plates, and locks and keep them locked. Replace all screws securing hardware with long screws that penetrate deep into the framing. Install pins on the side of the door where the hinges are located. Build walls, fences, and trenches. Obstacles such as fences, trenches, or walls impede movement across the perimeter of a fixed site. But tall fences work both ways. On one hand, they can be an effective deterrent. On the other hand, they can provide concealment or cover for intruders. And put up signs. Barriers should include warning signs. Alarm system and beware of dog signs can be deterrents, but should be backed up with dogs and alarms. Seasoned criminals are not likely to be scared off by signs alone in peacetime. In an environment where worse threats exist, signs warning of those threats may be effective. In a pandemic, a yellow quarantine flag may be a no-go even for the desperate. In a region affected by war, signs warning of mines, IEDs, or unexploded ordinances may be a deterrent. So crime prevention through environmental design. Architecture, design, and landscaping should eliminate cover and concealment of intruders while providing occupants with places to observe, report, or even attack from behind concealment and cover. So install shutters and blinds on garage windows. If left uncovered, a quick peek can tell intruders whether occupants are home or away. Install security lighting. Anybody will tell you that security lighting prevents crime and they would also be wrong. Most property-related crimes happen between the hours of 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. when occupants are at work, school, shopping, etc. People are also often surprised to learn that turning off security lighting typically halves the number of break-ins. Security lighting may reduce fear of crime, but it does not typically reduce actual crime. Install motion sensor lights. People usually notice crime when they see lights on inside of a building that should be dark or flashlights indicating that people are someplace they should not be. Dust to dawn security lighting helps criminals see what they are doing and spot targets of opportunity. It can also make it harder to spot criminal activity since people tune it out. Motion sensor lights are better, but only if someone is around to notice them. 
set timers so motion sensor lights turn on for two to five minutes. Program interior lights. Light timers and other home automation is more effective and can help deter a break-in by making it appear that someone is home. Do not store valuables in the master bedroom. Thieves typically head straight for the master bedroom because it is typically where people store firearms, cash, jewelry, prescription medications, expensive clothing, and other easily portable valuables. It doesn't matter if you store them in drawers, under the mattress, in closets, or in a safe. It will, get, it will all get tossed, rummaged through. Don't display wealth. Criminals can't steal what they can't see. Most people would not walk around town with a $100 bill hanging out of their pockets, but when it comes to their homes, many of those same people cannot resist putting their wealth on display. Permanently install safes. Safes should be of high quality and installed in a steel-reinforced concrete floor or bolted to the floor and walls. When a burglar finds a safe, he knows he may have just hit the lottery. He will leave everything else to get at the contents. Most safes aren't nearly as hard to break into as safe companies would have you think. Install safes in tight areas where the criminals will not have room to work. If they can get the safe on its side with room to work, it is done for. So bolt it in place well. Guys, let me talk just very quickly about why you want to bolt uh, a safe down. Even a bolt that is a decent size, like, you know, uh, one that you wouldn't think people would be able to lift. Um, there was uh, not too long ago, there was a report here. Now, of course, they got stopped because they were ding-dongs. They had like a hatchback um, vehicle, right? And so these guys broke into this house, found this safe, and uh, it didn't fit in their in their truck or trunk or or whatever. It was basically they strapped it in <laughs> to their like their hatchback. So they're driving down the road, and of course a cop sees them and pulls them over because it looks very very suspicious, right? That this uh, that this safe is is hanging out this hatchback. But if they would have had a truck or they would have had a van where they could have put this uh, safe in. It would have easily uh, they would have easily gotten away with that crime because it was although it was big two of them were able to lift it up two big strong guys were able to lift it out uh, of the house and get it into their vehicle and so you know even if you think you have a decent size safe unless you have you know hundreds and hundreds of pounds in there uh, tons or whatever you know of ammo and precious metals and all that kind of stuff and and if you have that definitely you're going to spend the money to go ahead and bolt it down um you know it it just it, it can be done and so with a little bit of time and a little bit of ingenuity you know thieves can can get to it so you just you really want to make sure you bolt that down and if you can't afford a good safe one that you know is hard to crack then you want to just come up with some other ways of hiding things around the house. And like this article is saying, not in the master bedroom, but in other places where you can hide it almost in plain sight where no one would take the time to uh, to look it up. All right, so let me continue on with this one here. Limit information shared via social media. Do not display location data, routines, current photos, wealth, and other sensitive data to social media. I can't believe people who post their entire life online are surprised when they end up victimized. Criminals justify their crimes against people who post their lives online with the phrase, they were asking for it. 
Okay, I want to stop right here as well because this is very important too. Um, limiting what you're putting out there. Um, you know, some people are putting their whole life out there, even if they are. I mean, of course, everybody puts their the their the best their best face on social media, right? It's like uh, everything is great, and you're like, man, I wish I had that person's life. Everything is always great for them. But there's some people out there that are just. You know, they have a fight with their spouse and they put it on social media or, you know, you can tell what is going on in their life, you know, that they hate the world or whatever, just because of what they're putting on social media. And it's like, man, stop doing that. But more than that, more than all of that, right, um, I, I would be very careful about information that you're putting about your kids, information that you're putting about your home, information about trips that you're taking, even while you're taking trips, I know it's one of those things like, you know, you're out on the beach or you're out, uh, you know, you're taking a vacation and you've, you're on a cruise or what, you know, whatever it is. And you're taking pictures and you're posting them on Facebook when everybody knows that, okay, so they're not at their home right now. They are, you know, uh, around the world or they're in another state or, you know, they, they're taking a two or three day vacation, you know, uh, you know, so, someplace. And so that just leaves their, your home wide open to, uh, to, to get broken into. The other thing, this came up on the Facebook group not too long ago, and it's something that I never really ever thought about. But, um, you know, even uh, putting an obituary, so for someone who uh, close, is close to you and, and they uh, have passed away, and you put their obituary out there, in the paper. And so you also put the, the funeral date out there. So, you know, uh, so-and-so blah, 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 live this life and is, you know, uh, family and friends and all this kind of stuff. And you're going to have a viewing here and the funeral is this day at this time. Or even if you put the funeral is this day and it's at this funeral home, it doesn't take very much you know, to be able to call that funeral home up and say, hey, uh, I am a, a family member or I am a friend of the so-and-so family. Can you tell me where the, the the burial site or the funeral is going to be? What time, it, you know, is it going to be? And so they, they divulge that information. So then they know that that person who just died, their home is going to be completely unoccupied because everybody that would be at that home is going to be at the funeral. And so a lot of the times, you know, robbers and thieves can be looking at obituaries and staking out, you know, which homes they're going to break into according to, you know, when funerals are, are going to be. And so can you imagine going to a funeral and you just you're burying your loved one and then you come back to that house and it's comp completely ransacked? And, uh, you know, all these, you know, things were taken and that would be such a terrible thing to experience. So be careful with that um, as well when you're when something like that is happening and just, you know, use your head there because I would have never thought of it. Um, you know, I was glad that that came up in the Facebook group. I'm sad for the experience for the people that have experienced that. But I think it's uh, a great learning lesson for those of us who have never experienced it and something that we need to take into consideration. All right, so let's go ahead and continue moving on with this article. Do not receive mail or packages at home. This makes it much easier to spot a crook trying to pose as a mail carrier or delivery guy. So invest in detection, surveillance, and situational awareness. Early detection buys occupants precious time and can relay information needed to respond, and a picture can be worth a thousand words. 
understanding who is coming and their numbers should factor into a decision to hold ground to slip away. Install an alarm system. Security systems have sensors and reporting mechanisms. Motion detectors, glass break detectors, cameras, and microphones are types of sensors. Examples of reporting mechanisms are sirens, strobe lights, and auto dialers. Ideally, sensors should be deployed in zones so the homeowner can tell where entry occurs and reporting mechanisms should be able to relay that information. Leverage biological alarms. So low-tech is still effective. Many species of animals have keen senses to protect themselves from predators and paying attention to their behaviors can warn occupants who understand them. Install bird feeders and inexpensive intruder alert. This tactic can be as simple as tossing out a little seed. Keep livestock. Many survivalists keep livestock that serve double duty, alerting the homesteader to potential threats. Even some livestock most people would not think of as guard animals will make a racket when strangers approach. And keep and train dogs. Dogs and humans have lived together so long, we do not know who adopted whom. Many breeds have kept senses and a dog does not need to be large or intimidating to pull guard duty. Some of the most practical strategies use one or two inside dogs of a smaller breed and two or more outside dogs to patrol outside the home. I recommend against planning to use a dog as a weapon since a human can easily kill a dog, especially if it is alone. Install video and electronic surveillance. While video and electronic surveillance are less expensive and more useful than ever, survivalists must consider which features may or may not work without electricity, internet, access, or monitoring. All right, guys, I want to say something here before I continue going. Don't make determinations, and I'm not just talking about home defense. I'm talking about everything, right? Don't make decisions solely based on what happens if an EMP happens or we lose the grid or solar flare? Um, yes, those things can happen. And if you have a choice between something that is hardened against a grid down or something that, you know, is is susceptible to that and, and you can make that purchase, fine. But when it comes to like, OK, I'm not I'm not going to buy something that. Um, is electronic because there could always be a solar flare or elect- or an EMP or the grid can go down. I mean, come on, right? Um, that's always a possibility. That's been a possibility for you know decades now. But that doesn't mean that we don't take advantage of some of these things that you know that we're going to be talking about here. Uh, they're great advantages, and even if it pays off one time. You know, before the EMP or the solar flare or the grid goes down or whatever, um, that would be worth it. So I just wanted to say that because I think a lot of people, and I know I got into that trap at the very beginning of my preparedness journey as well, was okay. So if an EMP happens, this isn't going to work anymore. And so you don't don't base your all your preparedness just on on that. All right, all right. So uh, moving on with that. Unfortunately, video and electronic surveillance often give consumers a false sense of security. Criminals understand that even a hat and bandana can render footage nearly useless. Homeowners must also consider who the reporting mechanisms will alert. Unless the security system alerts someone is both armed and nearby, a security system will not do much good because most break-ins are over in less than 10 minutes and sometimes much less. So cameras. Security cameras have come a long way. High-resolution cameras that can amplify ambient light are more affordable than ever. 
A peephole or doorbell camera is a must-have. They use motion detection to film everyone who comes to your door and can display video or images to your cell phone as long as the grid is up. All right, and I do have one of those. I installed it. It was It's called the Ring Doorbell. I did a review on that on Ed That Matters. I'm actually going to link to it in the show notes so you can go check it out. But uh, I'm telling you, that is well, well worth it. It's 100 bucks. It connects the electricity. You don't have to worry about charging it because it connects using the uh, the lines that are already there for your doorbell. Um, you, I think you pay... It's somewhere like $35 a year, and then you can see everybody that comes to your door. You can see them on your on your phone, and so you get that alert. It takes video. Uh, you can talk to them from wherever you are, make them think that you're inside the house. It's very powerful, and so for 100 bucks and then $35 a year, that is well, well worth it, and they also have cameras that you can add on to it. If you go to the, the, uh, the article that, I, that I'm going to link to in the show notes, um, I, I, I did link to some video where um, a guy had a camera that was in his backyard, and they were able to capture people because of uh, the video, you know, and then they were able to get that. So just like this article said, yeah, video can be rendered uh, unuseful if someone uses a bandana and a hat. But for the most most t- part, not everybody is going to be doing that. People don't people don't realize that they're on that ring doorbell or on a camera until they're already on it. All right. So continuing on microphones, microphones are great for places you may not want a camera. Microphones can be grouped with other sensors, can detect alarms, and can be set to notify you if there are sounds coming from your home when they shouldn't be, so you can listen in. Motion detectors. Motion detector technology is inexpensive and very effective. Motion detector technology is one of the most important sensor technologies for survivalists as several models exist that run on batteries and transmit reporting signals over radio. This means that they will work even if the electrical grid is down. Simple radio motion detectors can be purchased for as little as $10. Longer range units that support different zones are also available. Vehicle detectors. Vehicle detectors can be buried under or next to roads and sense cars coming up the drive. They are great for ranches that only have one or two roads in and out. Radio versions are also available. Brake beam detectors. Brake beam detectors can be set at different heights to cut down false alarms by animals and can also report via radio. And start or join a neighborhood watch program. Get to know your neighbors and participate in programs like Neighborhood Watch. Programs like this one really do help to deter crime and criminals hate a nosy neighbor with a cell phone in hand. Patrol and learn to track. Get out and walk your neighborhood. Random patrols can disrupt reconnaissance efforts or efforts to case homes and give you an idea who lives in the area and who doesn't. Study the tracks you see. Tracks contain surprising amounts of information. Suburban and rural neighborhoods offer many opportunities to track, but even in urban areas, snowfall brings opportunities to track, so much so that some professional burglars take the day off if there is snow on the ground. Identify or make track traps on your property. A track trap is muddy, dusty, or moist and sandy area that is easy to track in. Locate track traps along fence lines, roads, riverbeds, and other lines of drift. Lines of drift are places people tend to walk because the path is easier or because they are channeled by obstacles. So control access. 
Systems that monitor and control entry and accessibility, such as gates and doors, are only as good as the person operating them. Teach family members when to open the door and when not to open it. Whether the target is in an armored car or behind a locked door, criminals know that the easiest way to gain entry is typically to get someone to open the door. One of my purported ancestors found out the hard way that even the best fortress on the planet is worthless if somebody opens the doors from the inside. He was Prime, the King of Troy, at the time of the Trojan War. Most of us might not have to worry about giant wooden idols on our doorstep, but many of us do need to worry about members of our household opening doors. So install mechanical controls. Mechanical doors, locks, and gates have the benefit of not requiring electricity to function. Any automated access controls must have a mechanical override. If the grid goes down, finding out that your most important locks no longer work will be the last thing you need. So upgrade doors. Exterior doors should be high-quality steel or steel-reinforced hardwood. Key interior doors such as bedrooms and safe room doors should be upgraded to solid core models. Upgrade locks. Locks are only as effective as the people who use them. About 30% of the time, burglars can make entry through unlocked doors or windows. Find a good locksmith you can trust and have him upgrade your locks, upgrade the pins, and configure them so they will be difficult to pick. Keep gates locked. Walls and fences are only as good as the gates you install in them. Wrap your keys. Keys should be kept out of sight since they can be duplicated from photos and cameras have become ubiquitous. Car keys should be stored in an EM shield container while at home to prevent criminals from pinging your key fob, capturing the unlock code, and stealing your car. Upgrade your garage door opener. The garage door is the weakest point on many homes. Criminals and law enforcement alike take advantage of garage door openers and use them to gain access to homes. So defend your fortress. A fortress of a home means one thing to the average homeowner and another to a survivalist. Preparing a field of battle ahead of time can give a homeowner an important advantage should he or she need to defend hearth and home. Carry concealed. The average gunfight is over in less than 3 to 5 seconds from the first shot to last. If you have to run, dig your weapon out of your sock drawer, I shouldn't have to tell you that you will be on the losing end of that fight. Use your sidearm to fight your way to a long gun. Even an unarmed response from members of a neighborhood watch has deterrent value, but at the end of the day, the only sure way to stop armed bad guys is with armed good guys. Build a safe room. A safe room is a room with a stout door that can buy you a little time to arm yourself. Under the stress of a home invasion, it takes less time and less fine motor coordination to roll out of bed and dart into a room and slam the door than it does to roll out of bed, find a weapon, and deliver aimed fire. A safe room should provide some cover against small arms and provide you with weapons, communications, and a trauma kit. A well-designed safe room will also have a concealed exit. Have a plan B. No one wants to consider the possibility of having to bug out and leave their home to criminals, but nothing in your home apart from your family is worth your life. Do what needs to be done to ensure that you have multiple unobstructed exits for your vehicles and on foot. Ideally, at least some of these exits should be concealed. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Cash, critical equipment, and supplies. Having cash is mean that even if your home is burned to the ground, you will still be able to start over. 
If you have prepared caches, you can bug out in your boxers and still return with your friends to take it back one day at a time of your choosing. If you survive, you have that option. And red team your home. There's a quote here. If you are happy with your physical security, so is your enemy. A red team is a group that tests an organization's security to identify and improve weaknesses. It is not possible to effectively secure a structure until you have seen it through the eyes of the enemy. Effective preparations for defending your home cannot be made from inside it. Red teaming will help you find the chinks in your armor and close them. By getting out and seeing your home from the point of view of your enemy, you will see where he is likely to perform recon and probing, stage his attack, avenues of approach, and his options for concealment and cover. Knowing this, you can take these things away from him, slow him down, channel him, cut cut down his concealment, and mine his cover. Alright guys, that is a great article there. A lot of information packed in one article there and hopefully some things that you can start to implement right away where you start thinking about your home and start thinking about it in that and that way of uh, protection and you know once you once you get robbed and once people break in you get that feeling of it's just like hey man you know i just don't feel safe anymore you want your family your kids to feel safe so start putting some of these things in place now so again they deter the thieves and the robbers and the bad guys from coming to your home and going to another one and so if that is installing a ring doorbell if that is installing some cameras that are very very cheap nowadays you can install them on you know just based off of uh you know just getting them off of amazon and uh, they're wireless they're just really easy or paying for a service um you know to make a little bit of noise or whatever you know um you just have some have some options you know start thinking about your home put some things in place to make it a little bit safer for you and your family you know when when you do that you have that peace of mind and uh, of course something can always happen but you know that you have uh, put thought into it you're not just flying by the seat of your pants and hoping never be- no- hoping nothing ever bad happens you are you know being a little bit more purposeful about that so guys that's over at survivalpedia.com i'm going to link to this in the show notes like always and i'm also going to link to that article that i did on the ring doorbell so that you can check it out and see how easy it is because i i really i, I put it together and had it up and going like in 30 minutes it was such a great deal all right so moving on to our next article it comes to us from beans bullets bandages this article is entitled Bob or Bug Out Bags, A Fresh Look. So let's go ahead and dive right into this one. Preppers have a bunch of acronyms for stuff they carry around, including Everyday Carry, EDC, Get Home Bags, GHB, I'm Never Coming Home, or INCH, and the more common term, a Bug Out Bag, or Bob. I'm going to use the term Bob for all of these bags rather than getting hung up on jargon. If you are into using all these terms, please bear with me. I previously wrote about cheap bobs to be used by folks who showed up with a bob for caches and any other situation where you might need an extra bob. I also wrote about what I carry when commuting by mass transit in Escape from New York. Merman wrote about get-home bags. However, I never wrote about what should go into a primary bob. A primary bob is one that is fully equipped and that you spare no expense on. It's the one bag you think of when you think of your bob. 
One reason for not writing about primary bobs until now is I truly believe bobs should be customized to your situation. For instance, in my area we get snow, sometimes lots of snow, so I pack a set of long underwear in my bob. In Florida, I would consider that pretty foolish. Because situations vary so much, it is impossible to say, this is what you should carry. Instead, I'll tell you what I carry in the hope of triggering some ideas that you might want to include in your bob. So my circumstances. While I often commute into New York by mass transit, if I am not going into New York for work or I am just going about local errands, I keep a bob in the trunk of my car as well as a couple of kits. The kits include a car kit with a few tools, flashers that are used as modern road flares, etc. This kit is simply to be used in the event of a car breakdown. It includes a folding shovel, particularly for blizzards. I also have a first aid kit. I keep these kits outside the bob so they can be easily accessed in the event of an automobile accident or breakdown. If I were to leave the car carrying the bob, I would toss the first aid kit into the bob before leaving the car. I also carry a case of bottled water in the car. Sometimes I tap into the water simply because I want a bottle of water while driving. If the case gets down to about half full, I replace it. This ensures some rotation of the water as well as having something to enjoy in the car. If I were to leave the car taking my bob, I would use the case of water to fill any water bottles in the bob, toss in a few more bottles to have a good supply, and be on my way. All right, so I know that he's up north there, and uh, I've talked a little bit about cases of water in the car. Um, he's, um, let's see, who's, who's writing this one? I'm sorry, I didn't look at this one. Paranoid Prepper is writing this one. Um, you know, if you're rotating it out, I think that's a, and you're up north. I think that's good here in in Houston, Texas. I just in the middle of summer where the you know inside the the vehicle is just like 120 degrees. I don't know if I would be doing that, but uh, you know, I for instance, I don't travel very far away from work or from home, and so I have plenty of water at work and, and those types of things. So you know, that's something to consider. You're going to always have to. to to process that. Um, I've talked about having kits to where uh, you can leave your, your your main kit, you know, that it doesn't um, degrade because of the heat or cold or anything like that inside of your vehicle. And then you can have a smaller bag that you take inside with you that might have some food that might be, uh, that you might not want out in the elements and then might have some bottles of water and different things like that. That is just a little bit easier to carry and it might look like just a normal bag. And that way, if you ever were caught in a situation, you have your bug out bag and then you can just transfer the water and the food or whatever, you know, you have in there over into that. Or maybe even like the battery, you know, I talked about having one of those batteries that charges up or that can jump your vehicle, but you're not supposed to leave those in, you know, real drastic temperatures. And so I don't leave mine in my vehicle either. All right, so just uh, adding that uh, to this discussion here. I should also point out one thing I do not carry, which is a firearm. I live in the People's Republic of New Jersey, one of the most anti-gun states in the country. Carrying a gun is highly illegal. Carry permits are impossible to get, and I don't want to spend years in jail. There are even state restrictions on transporting a gun, so you can't just drive around with a firearm locked in your trunk. If you live in a free state, by all means, get a carry permit and carry a firearm in the manner you think appropriate. Besides, why would I want to carry around a stripped lower? And then there's a smiley face there. Um, What is in the bag? 
To figure out what to put in the bob, I again use my supplied categories. So water. I keep a case of bottled water as discussed above in my car. I also carry water purification tablets in the bob and a Sport Berkey water bottle. In the disasters I have actually experienced, not to mention my escapes from New York, water has been a clear necessity. Food. For such a short period of time, three days, I don't worry about a balanced diet. Instead, I just use food bars such as Daytrex Mayday or Millennium Bars. This approach also eliminates the need for a mess kit or utensils. And you also might think about like trail mix, beef jerky, those types of things. Um, Like Daytrex, those are, you know, like those uh, survival bars will last you three days. But um, they're a little dry, so you really do want to have some water uh, when you're when you're eating those, I remember the urban uh, urban prepper on his YouTube channel. I think he went three days eating that, and uh, you know he did a video on that, and that was kind of interesting there. All right, so hygiene. I carry a complete toilet kit, a roll of toilet paper, and several garbage bags. Remember Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and don't forget a towel. First aid. A first aid kit for accidents is in the trunk but kept outside the bob, keeping it handy in case of an auto accident. Energy. A fire starter kit and some batteries are in the bob. Clothing. My bob contains a complete change of clothing and boots, hat, gloves, etc., and a poncho. Don't forget extra socks. Shelter. I favor tube tents. They are light and are good enough for a couple of days. I also have a bivy sack in each bag. These are made of space blanket material and keep you surprisingly warm. Both are negligible in weight. Transportation. With a car broken down, I would be on foot unless I can find an alternate means of transportation. Maps can be taken from the car and a compass is in the bob, as are quality boots. If I had any balance, I could add a skateboard. Unfortunately, coordination is not on my list of superior attributes. Communications. I carry a cell phone and the bob contains a wind-up radio and an FRS GMRS radio. I also carry a pen and paper. Tools. In addition to the car repair kit, the bob contains a multi-tool and a Swiss Army knife. I also carry flashlights, paracord, and other miscellaneous items. And library. While I don't carry an obvious library in my bob, there is a Kindle app on my phone and copies of important documents in the bag. I've probably forgotten something as I have described my primary bag. It mostly functions as a get-home bag, but can be rapidly expanded or shrunk as needed, as needs become apparent. I also have my cheap bobs and escape from New York bags, so with a little luck, I will be with the best possible bag when disaster strikes. And so uh, there was some information, you know, about 10 comments here, uh, talking about some of the things that he discussed in, uh, in his article but uh, good information here if you're talking about getting a bob together or getting a get home bag. I mean, if you are um, you, you, if you are new into preparedness, that's usually the first thing everybody wants to do is is get the bob because that's cool, that's sexy. You're putting together something that you uh, you can see and you can carry around and you can kind of show off. You know, there's other things that you should be thinking about, like planning. Uh, you know, having a plan, uh, putting that plan into place food, water, all that type of stuff. But a bug out bag or a get home bag, it should be up there, should be high up there. And so you should be thinking about that 
and uh, putting that into place. And so I, I really do think that that's one of the important things. The minimum, uh, your everyday carry, um, having a first aid kit in your vehicle, those types of things, you know, that, that you should be thinking about. But, um, you know, here's a basic uh, starting, starting point. And uh, I like the idea of like, hey, I'm not telling you what to put in there. I'm giving you the categories. You're going to have to think about this for yourself, right? And you're going to have to put it in there for, because whatever um, whatever your needs are, are going to probably be a little bit different than mine. So there are some article links here or a lot of links here, actually. So uh, like when he's talking about his cheap bobs or the Escape from New York article, you probably want to link to those and see, you know, what what is he talking about there? What kind of... Uh, you know, information categories to his bags um, or what kind of gear is he putting in there and maybe what what are the circumstances. They might speak to you as well. So you can link over to those um, from the show notes. You know, so I'll just link to this main article and then uh, you can link to all these other ones uh, from there. So again, that's a Bob Bug Out Bags, a fresh look at Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and you.com. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 369. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And don't forget to come on over to the Facebook group. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.